0: up to Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he fled, and he led the flock to the back of the wilderness and came to God's mountain, to Horeb. The angel of Yahweh appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will turn aside now and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When Yahweh saw that he had turned aside to see God, God called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. He said, don't come close. Take off your sandals from off your feet, for the place you are standing is on holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Yahweh said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of a land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. Moreover, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, Certainly I will be with you. This will be the token to you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, You shall tell the children of Israel this I am has sent you, has sent me to you. God said moreover to Moses, You shall tell the children of Israel this. Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and tell them Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt, and have said, I will bring you up out of affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall tell him, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now, please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. I know that the king of Egypt won't give you permission to go. No, not by a mighty hand. I will put forth my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. I will give this people favour in the sight of the Egyptians, and it will happen that when you go, you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and of her who sojourns in her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold and clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, and you shall despoil the Egyptians. This is the story of the burning bush where God comes and visits Moses and speaks to him. And many people think that the bush is still there. If you go to Saint Catherine's Monastery in the Sinai Peninsula in uh, the land, of, in the country of Egypt today, they've got the bush. <laughs> and uh, apparently this bush is the same bush that was there 1,500 years ago when the monastery was built. And apparently it's been moved. Like the spot where the bush was, they dug it up and moved it to the side and on the spot where the bush was, they built this like little uh, memorial grotto or something. Um, I'm not convinced it's the same bush myself um, but it's the same area and Moses was in this area of Mount Sinai and there was a bush on fire and this is a miraculous event and uh, you can probably go to Mount Sinai, climb it, It's uh, be been interesting climb, visit the monastery and you can stand in the spot where Moses stood and you can stand where the children of Israel were and stand later on where the Ten Commandments were given very very interesting I personally don't think a bush could have survived more than 3,000 years nearly 4,000 years um, from then until now Uh, I think it's unlikely but it's still the idea and um, so the Lord speaks and this is 145 years since God seems to have last spoken now God was speaking to Jacob 145 years earlier. You know, God was, had said to Jacob what he was going to do. I'm gonna send you to into Egypt and your, pe- your children are gonna to, going to struggle and they're gonna be slaves, but I'm gonna bring them out. And, I'm, and these were the promises that God gave first to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob. And then there was this silence, 145 years. And then now God's speaking to Moses. And um, so there's this big, big gap If you're wondering where the 400 years in Egypt was, please listen to my Toby talk, How Long Were the Israelites in Egypt? Now Moses doesn't think he's good enough. And um, so his first thing is he says to God, who am I that you'd pick me? And um, on one hand, this is good. It's good that Moses doesn't think that he's up to the task. And God never picks people who think they're capable. God tends to uh, always pick people that realize that they need his help. And this is humility. Moses is definitely a humble person, Um, but Moses Moses actually doubts his ability so much he doesn't want to, like he really doesn't want to go. And in the very next chapter, he not only has this objection, but he has three more objections. And then even after he gets to Egypt, uh, he has more objections. uh, But God doesn't let him off the hook. And so Moses is forced into the position despite how bad he feels about himself and how incapable he feels, he has no choice but to obey God and trust. And it's actually a wonderful place to be in. Later on in Numbers 11 or 12, it says that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. So he really thought lowly of himself he genuinely thought lowly of himself. But humility isn't just thinking lowly of yourself, it's also combined with a trust in God where you depend on him for help. True humility knows that God is strong. And so you've got confidence. It's just not confidence in yourself. You've got confidence knowing that God will help you. So we shouldn't self-loathe, like put ourselves down and say bad things about us like alone like that. But it's, it's fine for us to be aware of our limitations and completely trust the Lord to help. And that's real humility. And so there's times with the Lord's help, we can say, I can do this. <laughs> we know that you, I myself can't do this, but I with the Lord can do this. And we can have a lot of confidence going forward because we know the Lord is with us. And that's why we can say something like, I am an overcomer through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, because if Christ didn't strengthen us, we would not be an overcomer. That's why we can, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because you are rich because of Jesus. But without Jesus, you're poor. <laughs> so um, this is, Moses begins humble, and uh, because he's been through a lot, And the Lord, it's it's almost as though the 40 years in Egypt had to be scrubbed out by this 40 years in the desert. And the Lord allows his people to go through miserable times of testing. If you think your life is low and pointless and being wasted, well, that's what Moses thought. He thought his life was wasted. But then the Lord had a purpose for him. And so you may find that even though you think your life is wasted and pointless, Pointless and has no purpose that there is yet a purpose. So in the end, you've got to say to the Lord Lord What do you want of me? I will do whatever you want There's one more really incredible thing about this chapter God reveals his name and His name turns out to be a weird name like I am I am who I am What type of a name is that that's what I always used to think And it turns out that it's a great name. It's a profound name. It's it's a name that says, I exist on my own. I am. And when we think about the Earth, we always ask, you know, where did the world come from? And and you, you could name some kind of thing, like it came from this. You know, right now people are discussing the Big Bang and they're saying, oh, the world came from the Big Bang. And then they, But then people say, well, what was before the Big Bang? These are like all the f- conjectures and things that people have about the world. And you know, unless you've got someone who just is, like the I am, you're always going to ask the question, well, what made that? And what made that? And what made that? There's never going to be an end of the questions of what made that and what made that. You've got to have, for anything to exist at all, you've got to have something that just is self-exists. You've got to have an I am. And so God reveals his name, it's him. He's the self-existent one, the I am. It's amazing, and you know we go back 145 years or 155 years and Jacob was wrestling with God. Might have been a little longer than that. Jacob's wrestling with God and And God changes Jacob's name to Israel, and then Jacob says, what's your name? And God wouldn't tell him. (laughs) So it's crazy. God would not tell Jacob his name, but now he reveals his name. I am who I am. The I am is, is decided to reveal who he is. And you know, there's this process through history of God revealing himself, and now we know God's name. But on the other hand, there's a lot about God we just don't know. And um, so in this chapter, we learn God's name. We learn that God is the self-existent one. And some one has something like that has to exist or nothing could exist. We learn that there is no other God. He's the only God. We learn that God was working to answer prayers before they were even prayed, you know, like, God's called Moses as an answer to the prayers of the Israelites, but he was preparing Moses before they prayed. And we learn finally that God is holy. When, when Moses came to the burning bush, God says, take off your, your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. And holy means belongs to God. And if we're walking with the Lord and we're trying to follow him, then we need to have reverence because he is holy. And we need to not be flippant about this God who is the I am, but we need to realize that we need to be very thoughtful about the way we live. So Heavenly Father, help us to be reverent, help us to be holy. We may not have our shoes off all the time, um, but Lord, help our hearts to be reverent before you and holy, uh, mindful that you are holy. And Lord, I thank you that in this chapter, you revealed your name. You've also revealed that you're a God who cares about people. You care about the fact that there was people in slavery. You cared about bondage. You cared about the fact that, Lord, they cried out to you and you heard their prayer. Lord, in this chapter, we see so much of what type of a God you are. And we thank you for that. And now Lord, let us walk a life that is a humble life, like Moses was humble. Give us that grace, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.